Uh, I think I've, I don't think I've ever seen any, this church as engaged in a sermon bumper video in my life. I mean, I could feel your angst. And it, so I, I know who it wasn't awesome to. It's my mom. She's right there. I can see the look on her face. She, just for those of you in here that are squeamish at the sight of reptiles, listen, I'm in trouble after this service. I, can, I know this look on her face for not warning her this was coming. Will you pray with me? And then we'll talk about what we just saw. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come together again. And right now, we pray. Uh, we approach your throne and, and trust that your Holy Spirit is clearing away all obstacles between our hearts and what you want to speak into our hearts this morning. And so we come before you with great praise and gratitude this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, you know, my favorite part of that video is actually this last piece right here. We'll put the picture up right there. I, now, I'm no expert in iguana body language, but they look like, yeah, I got it. I'm fine after all of that. And I think it so speaks to, as I watch that video, it so speaks to the way I want to arrive at the end of this life. And we've talked about this a little bit earlier this year, that we all are on a journey and it's fraught with all kinds of obstacles and there, there was no lack of them in what you just saw. But there's this, there's this thinking that goes on inside me and as I've listened to a number of you, there's, a, there's this thinking that goes on that just says, um, it's a one day thing. One day, I'll get it. One day I'll arrive, one day I will be there, I'll get there. And one of the things that just God has so been whispering through his word and into my heart is simply this, that it's not just a destination thing. He says, I'm not just at the destination, I'm on the journey. I'm on the journey. And so over the next few weeks, I really want to set uh, an umbrella for something that we're going to talk about really over the next year. It's the, this idea of living, living a different way than we normally do. And it's something we've spoken to, that, that this life wouldn't just be about passing our time, but about putting life into our time. And we've talked about what that looks like here. It's simply connecting with Jesus, connecting with people, and connecting people with Jesus. In fact, one day, one day God spoke to a man named Abram, who would become maybe who you know as Abraham. And it's, this is in Genesis 12, where we'll be this morning. Listen to how God says it to Abram. He says this, the Lord had said to Abram, go, go from your country, from your people, and your father's household to the land, I will show you. Did you notice the word that kept coming up there? Your people, your country, your father's household. And it's something that we, we all know this statement because we all have our people, don't we, that we gravitate to. And we all have our places that we gravitate to. And we all have that, that element of our father's household, that place of familiarity that we like to stay in. And this is God saying to Abram, the same thing that I believe numerous places in Scripture he holds up to us. He says, you have a choice. You could stay in what is so familiar and, and so comfortable, or let me call you to something else. And he says this. Go from those places, Abram. In verse 2, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. 
and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is God saying, I am setting, Abram, I'm setting before you a choice. You can walk through this life with my eyes, Abram, or you can walk through this life with your eyes. It's an invitation to live by faith in what God sees and how he guides and how he leads or by sight based on what we can see in front of us. In fact, it reminds me of what our son did the other day. You know, everybody started school this week, or, or many started school this week. And Lincoln, our five-year-old, he started kindergarten. First day of kindergarten, we walked him in, you know, got him to his classroom. He sat down. He was good to go. That night at dinner, we're sitting around the table. I said, how was your day? I want to hear about your day. He said, it was good, but mom, I don't need you to walk me in anymore. And I literally saw the moment that my wife, Kara's her heart broke in half. I was, I was actually trying to record it, but also be empathetic and didn't get to the phone in time. And that's going to happen when it comes to school and with, with children and stuff like that. But our Heavenly Father, you know what he says? He says, well, you could go on your own, or you can go by faith in what I see. You can walk through this life, no matter the snakes that coil around you, no matter what is after you, no matter what's around you, I can get you there. But I'm on the journey. I'm not just in the destination at the end of this life. I'm here with you in this life. And so when Jesus showed up, he said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. That's not a one-day thing. That's a today thing. And Abram, Abram, in the next verse, responded to this. Listen to these three words. So Abram went. Wow. Just like that. Leave all that you're comfortable with, Abram, to what I'm calling you to. So Abram went. And we, we often stop there and we say, wow, Abram, Abraham, he's the father of faith is what he's been called. But what exactly does that look like? So I want to show you what comes on the heels of this decision. Verse 4 continues. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. 75 years old. I mean, is that a perspective on our lives and our time or what? Because as I think through and I look across this room, you know what that tells me? That nobody in this room, the oldest person in this room, is without excuse when it comes to the call of God. The oldest in this room, you know what? The body of Christ, we need you. We need you because you have a godly legacy by virtue of your life experience that we need from you. To our boomers, to our boomer generation in here, you know what's so interesting to me? There's an account of a man named Caleb in Scripture. And Joshua is looking at all these men. He says, who's going to take the hill country? Who's going to take the difficult road? And it's Caleb who's in the second half of his life. He says, give me the hill country. That's a statement of a man who's been battle-tested by life. And to our boomers, we need you. We need your perspective. We need your experience. To our ex, gen, Generation X, you know what? We need you. I'm one of them, and we tend to, we talked about this last year, Generation X, we tend to kind of do this. You know, it's, it's hard to trust those around us at times. 
And God says, now I gave you a perspective and I gave you influence. There are generations coming behind you. You know who they're looking at? They're looking at us. What is your influence? What is that legacy going to be? To our millennial generation, to our Generation Z, we need you. We need your perspectives. We need what you see in the current landscape. Because truth be told, no generation has faced what, you've fa what you're facing. And there are generations that have gone before you that they, they faced battles, maybe even literally, that you may never have to fight. But God says those are not separators. I bring all that together in the body. So at 75 years old, Abram said, I will respond in faith. And as you'll see in the coming year, as we look at the time, the span of time we've been given here on this earth, we're going to discuss in the coming year, what does living by faith with the time we've been given, what does that look like? What is our perspective of time? What is God's perspective of time? Well, it continues. Verse 5, Abram, he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, Canaan, and they arrived there. Two elements in this. Abram looked around at the people in his life, and he said, will you go with me? I'm going on a journey of faith. Will you come with me? Come with me. Can we look around at the people in our lives, in all the different areas of our lives, and say, come with me? I want you to go with me. But the, the second element were his possessions. He looked at his possessions that he had accumulated over 75 years. And he had faith that God has, some, he has a purpose for even those things. And we'll talk this coming year about what does living by faith look like when it comes to our possessions. Because we live in a society that the struggle is contentment. It's truly contentment. There's always more. There's always more. And God says, I want to use what you have. The passage continues. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. In other words, Abram, you've been traveling and this is the land. This is where I've brought you to. Now, what's so interesting about this to me is he looked at the land and there were people there already which to many of us, we'd go, that's an obstacle. If you're going to give us this land, if I'm Abram, I'm thinking, God, if you're going to give this land to my offspring, well, there are people here. And yet Abram, what he discovered was God's perspective, not just on the people in his life, not just on his possessions, but on even the obstacles and the circumstances of his life. And we'll be talking about that in the coming year. We'll look at Philippians because it was written by a man who, you want to talk about walls. You want to talk about obstacles. He literally sat there under house arrest, looked at what was in front of him, and with eyes of faith knew that God was doing something with it, that Jesus had work through it that he was going to bring. Well, the verse continues. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there... He went on to the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward 
the Negev. It's a region in the land he was called to. And this, I think, is the piece that is easy to run past when we're reading this. Abram took the time to build an altar and remember. And remember all that God had brought him to. All that he had done. And in a very real way, have you heard of setting out breadcrumbs? Wasn't that Hansel and Gretel, right? He set out breadcrumbs to find his way back. If they got lost, he would find his way back on the trail. This was Abram setting out breadcrumbs going, there God did something, and there God did something, and there God did something. And Abram discovered that living by faith, and we'll discover in the coming year, that living by faith gives us God's perspective on what's in front of us. That when you walk through this life with God's eyes, you gain his perspective on what's in front of you. All the snakes coming out, all the nooks and crannies for that iguana, God's perspective on all of it. He says, I'll get there. I'll be, I'll be fine. God can bring me through it. It gives us God's perspective. How many of you in here, just by show of hands, have been to have you, or tried an escape room? Okay, I've done one of these recently. It was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. It wasn't even meant to be a scary one. But here's what happened. There were six of us. We, we went to this escape room, and we walked in. And, you know, they give you this narrative of what your escape room, like the, the circumstances surrounding it, and they give you an hour to get out of this thing. And so they said, okay, you guys have stolen military secrets. And I was like, ooh. Well, that wasn't on my radar for today, but you've stolen military secrets and have stolen a submarine. And now you're in the middle of an ocean, and you've got to find a way to get the engines fired up on this thing so you can escape. The Coast Guard and the Navy will be here in an hour. And so she, like, shuts the door, and it's like a hatch on a submarine, and it's like this, go. And so there were five of us that just went right to work on all these puzzles. And I have a puzzle brain. I love puzzles. But I was totally caught up in the intensity of the narrative. I was like, oh, no. Like, my dad was in the Coast Guard? <laughs> like, he's going to be so ashamed of me. We're, we're going to be court-martialed, and my sister's going to testify against me. She's going to be like, oh, I was new. I always knew. <sighs> I just went, and then they're going to, I don't know. This is it. This is how it all ends. This went on, honestly. I kind of sat there, like, couldn't think straight for 30 minutes. So half the time is gone. And they would come over the intercom. I think they're watching you, and I think, I think they're just laughing at us, honestly, in a back room somewhere. Uh, because you're just scrambling, and you're trying to figure everything out, and they just drop clues over the intercom. And, and I think you can use, like, up to three clues, and they're, they're dropping these clues, and um, everybody else that was with me understood, oh, that's going to unlock the next step. And I was like, this is it. We're done. Like... Totally feeling like I'm in a submarine, and I forgot we were in like North Glen, Colorado. Uh, there, there's, there's no body of water surrounding us. And uh, so we get like three of these clues, we get a bonus fourth clue. And then finally, um, there's this periscope in this submarine. You know, a periscope allows you to see above the water, outside of where you are, but only one person can look into it at a time. And finally, we were given a clue that led us to um, unlock the periscope to be able to see, and one person was able to speak about what they saw that gave the clues that unlocked one of the last hints. We got out of that thing with like three minutes left, and I was absolutely useless the entire time. <laughs> I contributed nothing to getting out of the escape room. 
I just was, I like got out in the hallway and kissed, like I was like, land, we found land. And dad's not going to be ashamed of me because he doesn't have to know, except now he knows. Anyway, I thought this is so interesting. Don't we get so caught up in the narrative in front of us? And the whole time God says, I'm speaking. I'm leaving clues. I'm leaving little breadcrumbs for you to find your way. And Abram, he knew that. Abram was able to look at the people around him, the possessions in his life, even the stage of life he was in. He was able to look back and go, okay, that is a life of faith. But the next part, the next part is actually maybe the most encouraging part to me. Because when we hear the phrase living with God's eyes, when we hear the phrase living with faith, you know what I think we do? We start to think flawless. I've got to be perfect. And that's why you need to hear, and I needed to hear what came next. Verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land. Wait a second. A famine, God? You said this was the country that you were calling us to. And there was a famine. Have you been there? Like you finally got to this place in life that you just sensed or you felt like or you just knew Beyond, beyond all doubt that this is what God called to. And you look at what's in front of you, and there's a famine. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram did exactly what we would do. Went down. In other words, he left. Went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. And the piece I was looking for in here is, at what point did God say go? Where did God say go? See, this once green, lush ground started to brown, and it started to crack, and it started to dry up. And the cattle got more lean for Abram. And maybe those who helped him began to scatter, and he began to look around and go, maybe, maybe this isn't it. Maybe, maybe I was just dreaming things. And he moved on. Are you there? Have you been there? It's one of the, you know how you know you're there? When your thoughts, in the, the words that come out of our mouths, we say, well, I just thought. I thought it was going to look like. I thought it was going to be like. And we leave. We leave. And that's the, first, that's the first sign that we're living with our eyes, is that we run from the place that God called us to. It continues. Verse 11, as he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but let you live. And all Abram can see all of a sudden is not the promise of God, back in verses two and three, but the obstacles in front of him. Verse 13, he, so he's got a plan. Say, you are my sister. Okay, what, Abram? Like, you just left you left all that was comfortable, all that was familiar, and, and now you want to lie? You want to lie? I mean, isn't that, isn't that kind of shortcutting what God asked of you? But see, Abram ran from that place that God asked him to go to. He says, say you are my sister, and then listen to this. This is, don't, men, don't do this, okay? So that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. Verse 14, and she slapped him. 
all right? It's like, well, Abram, was this a compliment, or is she a means to an end, or what was that? And Abram, what's going on inside of you? Because this doesn't line up with verse 4, so Abram went. Now you're trying to manipulate your way out of this. Well, it continues. After running from the place he was called to, after this shortcut, when Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarai was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. Verse 16, he treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. And right now, it's looking like running from the place that God called him to. And it's looking like taking the shortcut is really working out for Abram. Because if, if you look at Abram, if you were to put yourself, and if I were to put myself in Abram's shoes, we have a word for this that we still use today. We say, I am blessed. I'm blessed. I've got all this stuff. We're alive. You know, I'm being treated well for my wife's sake. I am blessed. Let me go back to what God promised for a minute. Take a look. I will make you into a great nation. That's part one. And I will bless you. That's part two. I will make your name great, part three, and you will be a blessing, part four. I will bless those who bless you. That's part five. And whoever curses you, I will curse. That's part six. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Seven parts to this promise. But Abram, in Egypt, he looks around and he sees all these cattle and he sees all these donkeys and he's being treated well. He's blessed. It's one out of seven. You know what Abram did? He settled. He settled for being blessed. And if I'm totally honest, it's real tempting to settle at being blessed. But you know what God says to his people? I want to bless you because I want to bless the rest of the world through you. The whole deal, not a fraction of. One out of seven elements of this promise. And I got thinking, I thought, wow, I remember this as a teenager. Relationships. You know, I'd go, hmm, I pick mm, that girl. Does she, does she know the Lord, Nathan? I don't know. I don't know. She's cute. <laughs> and too often, you know what I did? I, I settled. I settled throughout my life. And, and we all have those moments and those areas that we know we've settled. And what we're really settling for is not the person, the circumstance, the job, the thing in front of us. You know what we're really settling for? What's comfortable and what's familiar. And Egypt, to Abram, began to look a lot like what God had called him out of. Because when we see, when we walk through this life with our eyes, when we walk through with God's eyes, we get his perspective on what's in front of us. But when we walk through this life with our eyes, we have a skewed perspective of what's in front of us. How many of you uh, have heard of that, the fire festival? 
the Fire Festival. Hulu and Netflix did these documentaries on it. It was going to be this tremendous music festival. It was going to take place over two weekends, and, and there are some pictures going up right now. This was advertised by like social media influencers, and it was just supposed to be the concert of all concerts. They were going to fly everybody there on private planes. They were going to have just exquisite luxury lodging, the finest meals, the greatest service, and some people paid $20,000 for tickets to go to this thing. $20,000. And so, the time for the festival came. People get on these, they get to the airport, and there are like these two-hour lines to get on the planes, and at that time, everybody's thinking, oh, it's fine, it's private planes, so we'll get there. They get flown to this island where this festival is supposed to be because they just had so believed everything that they had seen on social media and heard about and that they'd been promised. And they land on the island. You know what they arrived at? This. Take a look. All these tents were tents that were left over from the Hurricane, Hurricane Matthew relief. And all these people that had paid all this money who thought they were going to like a house, a five-star hotel, they got these tents on the beach. And then when it came time to unpack their luggage, that, that five-star service, here's what they got. A shipping container at night with very little lighting. And then these luxurious meals that they thought they were going to have, guess what they got? Take a look. Right there. I mean, that looks, actually, that looks real good, actually, to me. But that's what happens when we live according to our eyes and our perspective. We get so skewed by what's in front of us, and we get wrapped up in the intensity of the narrative in front of us. And this is where the great news comes in, in our lives and in Abram's life. Take a look. Verse 17, the Lord says, I'm going to do something about this. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me, he said, because the Egyptians, they're thought to have at this time had a highly developed moral code, at which point even lying, even lying had to be put out. He said, what have you done to me? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram and his men, and they sent him on his way, listen to this phrase, with his wife and everything he had. Okay, wait a second. So Abram, Abram started out well, and then he shifted off of God's perspective, God's eyes, to Abram's eyes. And he ran from the place that God called him to. And he took a shortcut, and he tried to figure his own way out. And he settled for one-seventh, a fraction, of what God had promised him. And he's going to walk out while somebody else is inflicted does that sound familiar? Because thousands of years later, just to show how serious he was, you know what God did? He looked at you and me. And he said, maybe you made a decision for faith a long time ago. Maybe you wanted to see with my eyes. But at some point along the way, you trusted in your own eyesight. 
and you decided to go your way and maybe you ran. Or maybe, maybe you took shortcuts or maybe you decided to settle for something less than I called you to. And God intervened and he inflicted somebody else. But this time it wasn't Pharaoh, king of Egypt. It was his own son. He said, I'm going to inflict my own son with a cross so that you can walk out with everything I've given you. He's inflicted at the cross so that we can walk out with all the blessings. And for many of us, we have heard that and heard that and heard that over and over. But maybe today is the first time that it actually clicked and it made sense. If that's you, when we close in worship in just a couple minutes, there are, there are people we have here, uh, they're called Stephen Ministers. They've got a, a name tag on and they would love to, they'll be around the sides and back of the room. They would love, and maybe even a couple up here, they would love to pray with you and walk you through this realization. What does it mean? What does it mean to not walk through this life running from the places God has called us to, settling for less than he promised us, taking whatever shortcuts we can come up with? What does life in faith look like? Faith in what he did on the cross for us. If you'd like to pray that prayer, I'd invite you to pray it as we close in worship in just a few minutes. But for everyone else in here, maybe this story is resonant and maybe you recognize it in your own life. And for those of us that you just feel the struggle of walking by faith over and over and over and you look around and like the iguana, you see all the snakes closing in and it's like, how am I gonna get through this? There's an answer in this story that applies to all of us. The beginning of, verse, of chapter 13 of Genesis. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. In other words, he was blessed. He was blessed. But there was more to come. Verse 3, from the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had, earlier, had been earlier and where he had built the first altar. Why did he build those altars? In remembrance of what the Lord had done. Remember those breadcrumbs? That place that he dropped a breadcrumb and said, oh, God did something there. He's finding his way back. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. You want to know what makes Abram the father of faith? You, you hear that phrase spoken in relation to Abram? It's that, if you ask me. Yes, he went at the beginning, but after he reverted, after he went through the struggle, after he thought he was done for, God intervened. And he went back, and he remembered what the Lord had done. And he called upon the name of the Lord because truth be told for every single one of us, we're going to walk through this life looking for one of two things. The breadcrumbs that God provides us, those clues, those hints, those whispers, or we're going to see with our eyes and we're going to chase after entire loaves of bread that look good but are nowhere near as fulfilling as one breadcrumb that he gave us. We're going to chase after bread, or we're going to we're going to take the breadcrumbs or we're going to chase after the loaves of bread. It's as simple as that. 
In the days following World War II, the, the, there's a story about the Allied forces. They found many, many um, orphaned, homeless children. And so what they did is they set up shelter for these children, and they were well cared for. But at night, psychologists noticed that these children had trouble sleeping. And so they tried a number of different things, and what they finally did every single night is they put a piece of bread in the hands of these children. And it wasn't for eating. They had been fed, but they were to just hold on to this bread as they laid in bed at night. And they noticed that these children began to sleep. Not because they had their whole future figured out, but because of one slice of bread, one breadcrumb. And God now looks at you and I, his children, and he says, look, you may not see the whole picture, but I can give you a breadcrumb. And for many in this room, the only breadcrumb that you may see right now is this one right here. At night, all you have to lay in bed with is the thought of what he did on the cross. And I will tell you, it will fill you more than any loaf of the, in this life that you could chase down and devour. And so with that being said, I want to ask just a few questions in closing. How do we know? How do we know whose set of eyes we're walking through this life with? A few questions for you to consider. Number one, am I running from the place God called me? Am I running from the place God called me because it looks like famine? Second question may feel like the opposite of that. Am I settling? Have I been settling in what has been comfortable? Because whether it was Egypt or the place that Abram had been called out of, the land of Ur, they can look and feel very similar when we're settling for comfort. Number three, am I taking a shortcut? Am I taking a shortcut? And those could be three very hard questions to answer. Those are difficult to look in the mirror and face the answers to. But the great news is that God intervened and he said, I've not lost sight of you. I see you with my eyes so that you can see you with my eyes. And so the last question is simply this. As you look back at what God has done, what has he done? What are those breadcrumbs that we can look back at and if you can't come up with anything, there's that right there, the cross. I'll invite the worship team up as we close. Heavenly Father, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you over and over and over when we lose sight because we see with our eyes over and over, you make it so evident that there are breadcrumbs straight from you that you have left and that our path back to you is simply to go back, to remember those that call upon the name of the Lord. And so will you remind us, as we walk through not just the rest of today or this week, but as we walk through the year ahead, will you remind us of all you've done? And even if there's nothing else, what you did at the cross on our behalf because we want to walk through this year. And as we'll discuss next week, we want to walk next to other people with eyes of faith. And even those that we see around us that walk with eyes of sight, Lord, show us how to walk next to them as we walk through the next few weeks. We, we ask all this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.